All for one. And one for all. On God! One for all! I have the heart of a musketeer. On God! You're listening to the True Musketeers Podcast. Brought to you by Fencing Club Trekant. The largest and oldest fencing club in Denmark. Welcome to the True Musketeers podcast, episode number two. The show where we dive into the sport of fencing and the people behind it. My name is Thijs Andersen Samsi and I'm your host. With me in the studio today is my very good friend, Mr. Malte Triamør. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. This is then our second podcast together, so it's amazing. It's a... Uh Yeah, I guess, I mean, on a roll now. We are definitely on a roll, and uh, I think we'll conquer the world one podcast at a time, so uh, uh, stay tuned. Exactly, that's the plan, at least, that's the plan. How have you been since last? I have been busy renovating my my flat. Uh, that's been going on for a while, uh, so we're now in in March 2022, and I started this project in June 2021. All right. So it's been going on for a while, but I am in in the last stages of completing my kitchen and living room, and then just as I'm completing that, I'm kind of starting on the next big thing in my flat. I should probably not have done that, but <laughs> that's the reality of my life right now. All right, all right, but keeping busy, I guess, um, and it, I guess, it started out of of the lockdown uh, where you had some time on your hands. True. Yeah. It's, Time and money. Time so and money. yeah, I was not spending money on anything. I was not going to the movies. I was not going to any nightclubs. I was not dating, not doing anything. So it was just basically me and maybe a little bit of takeout food sometimes. But I was not spending money on anything and I had all the time in the world. And then uh started this project. It was going to be a little tiny project. It was just going to do my little tiny kitchen, like eight square meters. So that's my the size of my kitchen. So it's going to do that. And then, well, yeah. damn, man, it just took off from there. Like One a thing rocket. led to another. One thing led on to another. And now it's just basically me building like the pyramids of Egypt <laughs> in my flat. That's that's kind of the project right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It takes its size of its own, I guess, uh, once you get started there. It, it has its own life right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, good to hear. So for the, the topic for for today that we're going to dive a little into is not the COVID because a lot of things is going on that's kind of surpassing the COVID, but maybe just a recap of the whole lockdown because that definitely changed a lot for a lot of clubs since they couldn't practice the sport. You know, members, I mean, had to be kept in order to keep the business open, but the business was not open. Yeah. So definitely, you know, be, we've been faced with our challenges quite similar to a lot of other clubs around the world that were in the same situation. I guess everybody's been there. Mm-hmm. Um, no country was spared. So maybe just a recap on, you know, the learning points. What did we do? How did we handle the lockdown situation? Did we take something, you know, from that situation and, and kind of kept it uh, while moving forward? So so that's just setting the scene for today. And maybe just going back to to the start of of the so lockdown, the, the first lockdown, very beginning, the very beginning, yeah, the very beginning. Well, like, uh, my my uh, my COVID story kind of starts like everyone else in in uh, March of uh, 2020. Uh, I I just traveled to Anaheim with Alexander Turonis, 
and we had just completed a practice with the uh, Hong Kong team at this uh, fencing club in Anaheim. And I was sitting in the parking lot uh, after the practice. It had been a really good practice. And then these messages starts popping up on my phone and and it's just basically they get worse and worse and I'm, I'm i have this app from the danish foreign ministry they have this app and it was it it was just it came to life after having been dormant forever uh it it's you know it just started giving me push messages all the time and it just steadily got worse and worse and then during the night like the real message came that just basically said like if you're Danish and you're abroad you need to find your way home immediately and I woke up Alex and uh, we we found the first flight home and before we went home I had a conversation with with the chairwoman of Trigger Nina Jensen uh, and we talked about our possibilities and it was almost surrealistic to just make the decision that we had to shut down I don't know if that's ever happened before in in the history of the club, uh, maybe not since uh, World War Two. No. I don't even know if they shut down for that, but uh, just uh, just coming up with that decision to to shut down and it was uh, that was really something I was I've never been prepared to do. So in in Denmark at least there there was kind of a consensus almost that this is something you know serious uh, we haven't seen before we need to tackle that as a country mm. being a smaller country though and having i guess more centered politics it almost felt like everybody kind of accepted the reality and and we just you know sure yeah yeah uh, i think it's been a an, a great force in in Denmark that that the parliament have been in total agreement about the everything so when i got home from from the united states we of course came home to a very different denmark than than the denmark we left you and i had just been out partying a few days before and we we made this stupid picture of us and and two corona beers uh just joking about it and then you know not thinking much of it uh hand sanitizing all the time and then we thought oh you know that's that's gonna be it but then we we got home to a very different country but what a, a united uh, country i think that was uh, you know we we all knew that we we played a part in in getting back to normal mm. uh so so we as everyone else uh, had to shut down and all of the sport shut down uh even elite sport in the beginning uh, so like no athlete could could uh to do their normal training, um, in whatever sport it was. And uh, I think at first we believed that uh, it would only be like a week or two. So mm. we didn't come up with an immediate thing. Like we didn't, we didn't do anything on, on Zoom or, no. or YouTube or whatever. No, I mean, so, so again, it's, it's the, you know, one thing is the information flow and we're going to get to that because as you said, we were in this for the first two weeks is very uncertain. What is going on? How is this evolving? Will this go away? Until we, I guess, find ourselves in this new reality that we need to kind of handle the situation mm. we are in because obviously it was quite apparent to us that it didn't seem to change yeah. back again. Uh, at least not for the foreseeable future, though. I, I think in an afterthought, nobody would have ever guessed that we would be here like two and a half years. And it's still, I mean, it's not life-threatening, at least not classified as that in Denmark. But 
the duration uh, and the and our handling of that. Uh, yeah, you know, after after a week or two, it became evident that uh, that this, this was probably not going to be over anytime soon. Like numbers were kind of stalling in Denmark. It was not getting any worse. It was not not really getting any better. But we kind of stalled it. But you could see like you know, images from Bergamo and Italy and many other places that really frightened everyone. So it was getting worse. And we just, you know, it was just clear that we're not gonna get rid of this disease anytime soon. So our physiotherapist, Nikolai Rasmussen, he was actually the first one to come up with some like alternative training program. Uh, he had, as everyone else, had a lot of time on his hands. And so he made two, I think it was two videos on YouTube, on our YouTube channel uh, of like some basic strength training that is uh, is important for fencers that you can do at home uh, in your living room on the floor. And two really nice short videos. And that kind of got me and my colleague, It Jeffries, going Uh, he had a little bit of experience on the topic as he had made some training videos while he was in China. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he kind of knew, he had an idea about what we could do. And then we started doing that and uh, we like downloaded Zoom on the computer. And uh, at first we, we like he did a part in his living room and I had access to a little bit like a larger space that I could use. And then we would be apart from each other and we would get the kids together. And uh, it was just, it was really nice to, to see the kids online and just talk to them. And, and, and a part of it was actually just like, yeah, just having a, a short conversation with the kids. And so they could meet each other and, And we did some trainings, and it, you know, it reminded them a little bit about something that they used to do before COVID hit. And uh, mm. yeah, and I mean, so um, again, just skipping the information, the flow of information. That's definitely something that's a focus, or was a focus, it still is, but so important for the club to actually kind of retain the members and and making sure because. It, the reality uh, in Denmark is, is uh, you know, the club is founded on voluntary work. We have a few employees, you being uh, one of them. Mm. Um, we're very, as any club, very dependent on the members, not just yeah. to support us uh, financially, um, but obviously just to keep fencing on the map. Because yeah. if we came out on, on the other side of that reality and we didn't have any fencers left, you know, that would be catastrophic, yeah. not just for us, but for the sport. It was uh, definitely, I think, the main objective during both lockdowns. Well, we actually had kind of three lockdowns. We, we we were not hit by the third lockdown in Denmark, but so the two first ones, I think it was important to just give the members some just some kind of alternative to normal practice because you can think of soon training what you want. You can, you can hate it. Or you can maybe you like it. I don't think anybody really likes it, but you know it. It is what it is. But I think just the fact you can say, okay, I'm not gonna do it. If you're a member of the club, you can say I'm not gonna do Zoom training. But at least they're trying. Mm, exactly. At least they're coming up with something. So I'm choosing not to do it, but at least they're doing something. Yeah. And I think that sent out a real clear signal to all the members of the club mm. that. 
there there is a reason you you are paying your monthly fee and we're actually trying to give something back to you yeah because i mean that's at least what i see in a difference from commercial sports right in that period a lot of commercial sports because they're driven in a whole different fashion they were able to to compensate uh for memberships and stuff like that being a bigger organization uh obviously that kind of luxury was not available for the majority of sports in Denmark. And actually, I think it was recommended not to offer that at all because uh, we are an association and not, I mean, obviously driven on the purpose of promoting the sport and educating on it, but it is an association that you are a member and a part of. And that kind of exists, even though we actually can't do the training. But obviously, we need to feel that the members get something for the fee that they are paying, uh, and at least have the option to tap into that. Yeah, or tap out. Uh, you know, just uh, yeah, you know, just uh, just just having the you know, just putting the members in a position where they can they can take part or they can choose not to. But that's just that they have that that they are in that position. I think it's immensely important. So uh, we definitely, I think, we were very good at containing the situation. Mm. I think we got out of COVID quite well. Uh, I was actually surprised as to how few members uh, stopped doing the time. So, and I've heard from other clubs who decided not to do mm. anything during COVID that they have been hit quite hard. Many, many clubs have really seen declining numbers. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's, and just not skipping ahead maybe a bit, but, but we're definitely going to touch on that because we saw some interesting things from the first lockdown to the second lockdown to the kind of third and you know some psychological uh, effects on the lockdown as well and uh, we're going to touch on that in, in just a second but circling back maybe to obviously the zoom training the virtual training the club had more focus just information flow on the opportunities for the members what they could do mm. um, and especially also when when we were allowed to open up just a bit again mm. with very very heavy restrictions yeah Maybe touching on the point as well that that we did something else than the Zoom. Yes. Uh, well, <clears throat> we also had uh, like these live broadcasts on Facebook that we decided to. We, we at the beginning we had a discussion you and me and and Lena about whether or not we should uh, open it up to other fences and just our own members and. I thought that the, we were gonna put a lot of energy into to making these live broadcasts. Uh, it's not easy to do, so I thought, why the hell not invite everyone for that? Mm. And we decided on like being quite aggressive on social media about it and kind of inviting the world to practice in trekking. So I had this idea that we, for a few months, would be the fencing club of the world, actually. <laughs> And it actually kind of took off well because, uh, I mean, by the end of it, I was getting messages from, from Brazil and Belgium and Australia and many places asking about technical questions and, like, how we're doing it and, and, and stuff like that. So so it ended up being quite a thing. And, and so it was fun to do. And, it, it, you know, it took my mind off the general desperation of not being able to do what I love. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, there's a big, you know, leap from being a, a coach uh, in fencing to suddenly finding yourself in front of a camera showing the world, you know, exercise um, things, right? Yeah, that's true. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was it's, it was fun to do. And then we had this special New Year's Eve segment that we did and, you know, made, made some, some, some crazy things. So 
and then, of course, as, as you touched on that before, uh, but then, of course, we opened up again slowly in small, tiny baby steps. And uh, every step was hit by a shitload of restrictions and rules and do's and don'ts and stuff like that. Man, we had to shower and hand sanitizer and, you know, not being too close. And, and I remember, like, doing outdoor training in almost freezing degrees. And But it was it was also heartwarming to see how the members would show up in all kinds of weather. I mean, we uh, for people who have not visited Denmark, the weather can be super shitty. But just in, in like, coaches and and fences in in rain in almost freezing degrees and it was just and see them just go at it outdoor it was crazy yeah and i mean so so definitely there were you know equal amount of desperation amongst uh, our members and they really wanted to do something and and luckily even the weather weren't with us all the time we were able to actually execute some some outdoor training mm-hmm. uh, and 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 get that on the schedule there and also remember when when going inside you know we had the restriction on only 10 people in our hall including the coach well actually, ac- actually when we opened up uh, for indoor training it, it very quickly normalized i think what you're thinking about was especially when the second lockdown was kind of creeping in on us, like it, it, the training got more and more difficult yeah. to do indoors, and the rules became weirder and weirder. Like I, I'm gonna tell you guys about a weird. So we could not be more than ten at any practice, but just before the second lockdown. But if you put up plastic combs in the middle of the fencing hall and you kind of made two training areas then you could have 10 people in both areas so that would be 20 but there were no rule against like making a third area so then you could be like 30 people Mm. and i don't know if the scientists had come up with an idea that covid19 couldn't uh couldn't (laughs) let transmit passing a plastic cone maybe that's a thing but like just and the uh, members hated it the coaches hated it everybody hated it but at least you could do something so people would turn up we made these complicated sign up sheets on on google sheets where people could kind of sign they could sign up and and you would have like an early practice and there would be a late practice because of the numbers and it's got so complicated and I, I can't begin to tell you about how angry people were about it and we were just trying the best we could. And actually, I must say, when we finally locked down the second time, I was almost happy because I could not cope with more rules and no, regulations. I just could not. I mean, it couldn't be any more crazy at the end. Mm. Uh, so I was actually relieved. Yeah, yeah, the lockdown the second time. Uh, but the second lockdown was not as severe as the first one. We could still, we could still have elite training. Yeah. So, so like senior elite could still fence. Yeah, yeah, because there was some special rules made for uh, for elite uh, sports at some point where yeah. they actually were allowed indoors to do a uh, training. Yeah. Uh, being in a contained group, right? That right. was kind of the argument. For right. That. So the, the first lockdown, in the beginning, nobody could do anything. Then uh, elite training kind of like came back like in May. But the second lockdown started out with 
uh, professional sports, I think it was called. Professional yeah. sports athletes could fence uh, or do whatever they, they did for, uh, for a sport. So, so it started out a little softer than the first lockdown. Yeah, definitely. So, and skipping just a little ahead now, obviously everything kind of opened up again uh, after the first lockdown and, and we were back and people were kind of happy about that. And then we went into to kind of the second hard lockdown again. Mm. Yeah, which was, as I said, a little less severe, but way longer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> way, way longer. I forget exactly how long it was. I think it was like four or five months. Yeah. And that kind of took a toll, right? Everybody is frustrated again, and, and this time for a longer period of time. But we also in the club said to ourselves, we need to find out, you know, how, when we come back again for the lockdown, could we do anything Uh, other than kind of retain the members and stuff like that, and and we came up with an idea for for doing something extra. I mean, maybe we didn't think of that as as this as the first purpose, but it turned out to be kind of social thing as well, and also supporting containing the members. And obviously, I'm talking about opening uh, like a, a a kiosk or a shop where where people could buy beverages and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was not something we had before that um, and actually in the area that we are located there's you know it's in walking distance but you need to to go mm. get something and maybe it's not cold so if you want a soda or something yeah um, you know that that's not an option yeah yeah true uh, I remember some sometime doing uh, the whole COVID thing I was watching uh, uh, I was watching something on on Facebook I think and it was about this pizzeria somewhere in Germany And they were really struggling financially. And then one of the guys at the pizzeria found out that their oven had a, a certain temperature where they could kind of uh, form like plastic. They could like work with, with different kinds of plastics. And then they would they started to make like uh, visors, protective visors for, for the local hospital. And they actually bought those those visors made at the pizzeria. And uh, so the pizzeria survived, and at the end, of the, so the story ends that that uh, so the pizzeria survived, and the, their business survived. But maybe not only that. Now it was not one business; it was two businesses. You know, mm. now they could make pizza and plastic products at the same time. Who would have thought? So, uh, building on that idea, I came up and and very quickly drew you into it. Uh, I remember. I remember <laughs> about like opening a, a little shop. At the fencing club, selling uh, soft drinks and 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 beer, because that's uh, I will get back to the beer part uh, why we sell that, but but mostly soft drinks, and uh, because we had lost a lot of uh, revenue from events, we do yeah. a lot of events in Denmark, earning money with that, and so obviously we couldn't host any events uh, during the lockdown. So we had lost a lot of money, and then I was thinking, okay, how can we get some of that money back? And so now we still, yeah, this is definitely after COVID, and we, we still have that little shop open, and it's, uh, it's actually earning a, a, a good amount of money over yeah. the year. Yeah, definitely. So when the, the sometimes when the members are thirsty, they uh, they will go and get a, a Powerade or whatever. Yeah, and especially, I mean, in, in the area that we're in, is is hosting a lot of different sports, and, yeah. and that has a social effect as well for, for the different clubs doing different sports. Yeah. And we became the center 
uh, for meeting up after practice, just kicking back and relaxing, and definitely got us to to know more about the clubs that surround us. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, we got a a lot closer with the local uh, beach volley club, Copenhagen Beach, I think they're called, and then the, the handball club uh, that that. Uh, works right next to us in uh, and then uh but also like we have all this uh company football like company soccer teams mm. and they i think having a beer after a game is just immensely important to these guys and they they there are so many teams and if they win they need to celebrate if they lose they kind of need to to get uh, their mood up a little bit so it doesn't really matter if they win or lose they still need Uh, just a beer. It's not like they're getting drunk or anything. Just need a beer, and uh, and now they come to us and they 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 buy that beer or, or soft drink. And also, we we're actually right now looking at all the 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 parents uh, watching their kids play play, uh, play soccer right now, and uh, and they look very cold. So usually, these parents will come over and uh, and buy a coffee. Yeah, and it it just adds up. Uh, it does. It does, and and it also gives the the. The classes rerun a social ex- aspect, right? Because mm. now we are able to just, uh, you know, relax, kick back in the lounge, and have something to drink. So we can kind of extend practice. Maybe like, I mean, it's not practice, obviously, but it's a social aspect, and that what make the the members, uh, you know, show up for practice one more time because it's nice, it's relaxed, uh, you know, friendly people and stuff like that. So definitely doing a difference. And as to your point on on um, on the events that that we lost revenue on. Definitely, we saw after the second lockdown, or in the second lockdown, actually, that people on the first one had been committed to paying their membership fees just to support because they nobody knew the end of that, and it was important to support. When we opened up again and then locked down again, then we saw a, a increase in people or members uh, just pausing. Luckily, just pausing their membership, so we actually lost revenue on that one. So it's important for us to kind of keep something when we opened up again and the shop made that happen and with all the benefits following that so uh, so definitely a, a game changer there so one thing that that i want to touch on as well is you know the whole distance thing that you mentioned the face uh, or the visor the protection uh, stuff like that but as many fencing clubs right we we have equipment club equipment that you can actually borrow i know some some clubs has it included in the floor fee or stuff like that, but there was uh, some consideration on how to handle that as well. Being in close contact, you know, with the people wearing the equipment or using the mm. equipment. So maybe just a couple of words, if you have on 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 the whole thought process around, you know, how would we handle that? Well, obviously, we were worried about if people were like sharing masks and equipment. Like the risk of somebody getting COVID because of that yeah, the was, contact. was significant. So yeah. we changed the system from that people would borrow equipment from Trigent into like renting equipment. So they got a kit, a club kit, and then they would bring that home. And then they will be the sole users of that particular kit. So we wouldn't, we would minimize the, the risk of covid transmitting through like uh, sharing equipment mm. and that's uh, also like a thing that we've stayed with now so that's actually also an extra revenue that we have now that we didn't have before and definitely putting that into perspective right because it fencing equipment as you know everybody knows it's not the cheapest thing no, in the world 
Um, so it's a lot of, of investment on the club side to, to actually have that offer. But also now it's, it's more like, uh, I would say, streamlined. Um, the whole process on becoming a new member, you can rent the equipment for, you know, actually as long as you need it. We do have some adjustments in, in maybe, you know, going back to sharing certain stuff because certain stuff is really expensive to buy. But the whole process that, you know, also for the kids classes, right? They don't need to spend like 20 minutes finding the right size of jacket and stuff like that. So that's a yeah. lot of nice things around that. Yeah, uh, especially suiting up for pre- for fencing with the kids. It's definitely a lot faster now than it used to. So that that's an added uh, advantage, I think. But even I, I rem- one of my vivid memories from COVID is just still washing a shitload of equipment. We have this washer at the club, and it's been working twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm just getting to the club and just seeing a mountain of fencing equipment, and I just go, okay, I know what I'm gonna do the next few hours. Exactly, and it's wearing on the equipment, and you know, yeah. not to touch on the environment. That's a whole different it's conversation. So but so heavy well. that this is past us now. Uh, fortunately, uh, I hope we we've seen uh, the last of uh, COVID lockdowns and weird rules. Yeah, but I mean, adversity teaches you how to get by, and I think you know, even if there's a lot of things that we don't miss and hope will never come back. Actually, I think it's it's made us mature in handling a really really challenging situation coming up with solutions uh, that would work in that and and again good comes out of that right because we get inspired and, and moving out of the box i think i definitely think uh i would not do it again unless i was forced to it's not like i'm looking back at it and and oh it was a great times we you know i think we 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 managed somehow to get some positive stuff out of it because we worked really hard at it and it was a an all hands on deck situation. Uh, we had uh, meetings, uh, uh, virtual meetings, late at night uh, when like new rules got introduced or suddenly opening yeah. was possible. I mean, we worked so hard uh, on being ready as soon as possible. Like, so we got out of it uh, stronger in many ways. We got out of it um, now having the shop and stuff like that. New, we we got better at communication. But it was really forged in hard times, I must say. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it it just sometimes when you're provoked like that, it actually something something positive gets. Yeah, out. and again, just highlighting that changes, you know, late later in the lockdowns were just announced on a weekend, typically, mm-hmm. right, from the yeah. politician side, and you know, everybody scrambled on a Sunday or a Saturday late night something to get things ready for the next week. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, it was not fun. And also, I just want to touch on the last thing, right? So, you know, seeing the lockdown on on the second lockdown and and then we opened up again, then something strange happened because we have been able to retain the members. They have been committed to staying with the club. But all of a sudden, then things opened up again. And then the strange thing happened that they were in the situation that they really had to think about would I really pick up the membership and fencing again and unfortunately you know after that period we actually saw a drop in in the members uh, we were able to retain because they found out okay now I'm going maybe back to work uh, back to school I don't have time I'll prioritize differently or maybe I'll find another sport so so definitely like everyone struggled we we 
kind of struggled again. But as we touched on, you know, we had all these good initiatives that helped us. And just on where we are right now is that, you know, we crossed a milestone in members. We actually have challenge with our physical location size to host all these uh, new members, which is a luxury problem, I guess. So we're also seeing like an uptake and interest of this sport that we love so much and and people want to try something new. Mm. I think uh, a lot of the members that had just started before COVID broke out, they just started the sport, but they had not really become fencers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just uh, started fencing because it looked fun and they did it for a while. And some of them were surprisingly loyal in how long they stayed, but it hadn't become a part of their DNA yet. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of those members, I think those are generally the ones that we lost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We just didn't have time to... to no, uh, and, to, and I mean, understandably, because uncertain times and changing and nobody knows the future and stuff like that. So, um, but luckily, you know, things are going uh, really well now and, and the, the future, hopefully, will look brighter on, on the lockdown side, at least, uh, uh, yeah, fingers well, crossed. <laughs> well, you know, uh, just finished one crisis and then... The next one pops up in the yeah. Ukraine. Uh, not that we need to get into that now, but uh, no, I think we covered that uh, on, on the first episode. Yeah, 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 certainly. So that is also posing uh, new challenges. I think definitely, so. Definitely. It has been a it has been a stressful time, and I think everybody are just really hoping that we'll get into more normal no. a normal situation. Yeah, definitely. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at You can subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice by searching for the True Musketeers podcast. You can catch this and all episodes on trekhanten.org slash podcast. A big thanks once again to my guest, Mr. Melde Triamar, for sharing his insights and lessons learned from the lockdown. We'll be back with new episodes, but until then, bye for now.